Welcome everybody to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host for today, Tyler Yonke. We are going to be doing a race preview of the Criterium du Daphne 2018 edition race in southeast France. Prior to 2010, this race was known as the Criterium du Daphne Libre as it went around the Dauphine region in uh, southeast France, as I mentioned. This region-locked race now extends a little bit outside of the southeast region. And it's an eight-day stage. Uh, typically, you're going to see the Tour de France as a, as a Tour de France prep race. It's also organized by the same organizer, ASO, as well. And you'll usually see the Tour de France front runners at the fore in this race. And, of course, this race was started, like most of these are, by a newspaper as a way to promote circulation. The La Dauphine Libre was the newspaper. First edition of the race was in 1947. Previously, this has been a race where you can see, you know, all the Tour de France contenders and whether they're on form or ramping up their training correctly. And it's it's also had some riders come on the radar that were perhaps peaking too soon or simply at their height when the real contenders weren't quite at theirs. You've seen that in the past with Andrew Chelansky when he beat uh, Froome in 2014. Jakob Fuglsang uh, won last year, the 2017 edition. Yanni Brakovic won back in 2010. Other than that, you're looking at a lot of Tour de France contenders uh, Tour de France podiums, and well, and then some of those that were relegated as well for other reasons. Some interesting Tour de France and Dauphinian stats. So the Criterium du Dauphiné is the only race that was also won by the quintuple winners of the Tour de France, namely Jacques Saint-Cotil, uh, Eddie Merckx, Bernardino, and Miguel Indurain. Uh, but can you can you also include Lance Armstrong? I don't know. I know he's been had his title removed, but he also won this race as well. Nine other racers have also won the race in the Tour de France in the same year. Uh, Louis Ombobé in 1955, Jacques Saint-Cotil in 1963, Eddie Merckx in 1971, Luis Ocaña in 73, uh, Bernard Thévenet in 75, and Bernardino in 1979, 81. Miguel Indurain in 1995, and Bradley Wiggins 2012, along with Chris Froome in 2013, 15, and 2016. As we mentioned, disgraced cyclist Lance Armstrong did win this race in 2002 and 2003, but as we know, he's been retroactively stripped of those titles, as well as his Tour de France wins. All right, let's talk right real quick about the route itself for this year. Eight stages. It's got a prologue plus, plus seven stages. Uh, 953 kilometers total in length. So it starts off with a flat individual time trial prologue of 6.6 kilometers. It has one flat triple T this year, stage three at 35 kilometers, two lumpy days without a mountaintop finish. But the last four are mountaintop finishes coming in succession from stages four through seven. This may, you know, this race makes a week long kind of snaky clockwise route. Uh, tour around the the France that starting in the central eastern portion of France. They're just outside the south region where you would see in, in Valence. That's where they start. Uh, it's about 150 kilometers north of Mont Ventoux, so you kind of get an idea there. It's usually where this is a transition day between the Tour de France uh, going from the Pyrenees to the Alps. After the prologue in Valence, the race heads slightly northwest, uh, going kind of in an eastern direction uh, in France before finally reaching its most northern point at Luan's Chateaurnaud for the Triple T on Wednesday in Stage 3. The race then comes back to the meat of the edition and the event of the last four-day slog through the Alps as it starts to come back to the south 
at stage four, where it ends in Lons and Vercors before moving east in a north finishing direction for the final day Sunday in Saint Gervais. Is that is that Ricky's hometown? Anyway, highlights. Uh, we've got like I said, a triple T for stage three, giving obviously some certain teams a distinct advantage over the climbing heavy teams. No individual time trial, but for the 6.6-kilometer prologue, which is a totally flat course. The last four days are all mountaintop finishes. Stages four through six all include uh, HC climbs in them, either at the finish or along the way. And then Sunday's last day is just all Category 1 climbs, four of them in succession. None of the climbs that I looked through there, because it kind of it's just a little bit more north along the the Swiss and uh, French Alps section where then you you see a lot of the Tour de France go. So um, while it's got some of these big climbs, none of them were the the notable climbs that you would see in the Tour, although I'm sure they passed through them at some point, just not the big finishing climbs that you'd normally see. All right, let's talk about the riders to watch. You also have the Tour de Suisse starting the week after the Dauphiné. So you're going to see a lot of teams split their Tour de French preparation between these two programs, which you normally do. But the, uh, the Dauphiné seems to get a lot of, uh, over the years, it's kind of been the, the race that the riders have been going to. But not necessarily so. As a matter of fact, this year, uh, Jacob Fuglesong isn't even raced, signed up to do uh, to defend it. All right, so let's start off here. And you know the, the Tour de Suisse is going, so we'll probably do a preview of that as well. So look for that coming out next week. Uh, some of the top riders and I'm just going off of taking their teams as they're listed here and going then down through we'll pick some of the riders specific we'll pick some of the teams specific and kind of give a breakdown but I want to say these first two riders that I'm going to mention here are probably the two that I'm most um, not worried about but the the ones I give the highest the highest uh, accolades to here Uh, Adam Yates Mitchelton Scott so he's coming off a pretty decent uh, tour of California He's recovering from his early season crash, and I kind of expect uh, Adam to be an antagonist in this race. I mean, with his brother's huge results, though, just and then his big demise, he's probably motivated in, in many different ways to have a good race. Uh, the team, though, it's not stacked like they were at the Giro, uh, but should get some help from the likes of Daryl Impey, who did have a good spring. Roman Bardet, AG2R. He's coming off his best ever Tour de France 2017 with a third place. He was second until the final time trial, which he got uh, taken over by Iran. Uh, Bardet should be coming into form in this race. We've seen him going pretty good early on with Strada Bianca second place to Tish Benut. Then he got a third at Liège, best on Liège, uh, when he was in the breakaway near the end there with Mike Woods. His team appears uh, looks fine. It should be noted, though, that the team isn't as vital, what I think isn't as vital in these one-week stage races. Um, especially with these four days of, of heavy climbing. I mean, and I say might not be. Um, your team could obviously play a big role, but you're not looking at a grand tour setting pace for day after day. So eh, probably not as big a deal in this one. BMC Racing, they don't really have anybody looking for this. They do have TJ. Um, they have uh, not in this race. I'm, uh, tour, de, tour de Suisse has TJ and um, Richie Port, so you're not looking at a team that's coming to this race kind of with a, uh, Patrick Bevan, maybe, uh, Crusoe or Dylan Toons. They, they might be able to hang in there a little bit and mix it up at least on the first few days. But I'm not looking for a real tour contender for these uh, BMC in this race. For Hansgrohe, uh, same kind of thing. They have Emmanuel Bachman. They have Peter Kennick. Uh, other than that, I mean, Kennick really hasn't done much at all this year, so I'm not really sure what that team's got going on uh, for this race, maybe than just pack filler. EF Education First Drag Pack presented by Cannondale. 
Uh, they have several good climbers. They have some of them that are coming off of the Giro. So they might be looking for with good form, but maybe a little tired. Uh, they do have Pierre Roland and Lawson Craddock. And maybe one of those can pull out like a Talansky type effort. Um, you know, Pierre Roland likes to get in the brakes and, and go for those uh, long distance kind of um, on the climbing stages. And Craddock has been coming back into form a little bit as well. So we'll see what that has that team has. But they don't have really any overall grand uh, leader. Warren Baggy of Team Fortuneo Samsic. Warren had, you know, an amazing 2017 Tour de France. And then sub, right after that, he just brought himself into, like, he thought he was, like, the next great thing. And he showed this with his eventual sacking at the Vuelta while not waiting for his team later and just riding for himself. Um, so now he's with a new team, 2018, though he's only poked his head into the top 10 once with an eighth place on stage seven of the Volta, Catalonia in March. So we haven't really seen much of it at all. And it could be due to the, you know, kind of dropping down to the continental team rather than being on the world tour team. So it'd be interesting to see how he comes in to this race where he really needs to step through. And I believe this team is riding the tour this year as well. So Movie star, I mean, you'd expect them to have some sort of murderer's row here for the race, but their start list is devoid of any of the big three, the Nairo, Valverde, and the Landa. So I believe they might all be doing Tour Suisse or something else, but as of right now, they are not lined up for this race. Uh, we have Julian Alaphilippe, a quick step. I mean, look, he skipped his defense of the Tour of California this year, but he's coming in with some good spring results. I mean, he had back-to-back victories on stages, I think one and two of the Basque Country. Uh, so he can threaten the one week ra- races, but this might be a step too far for him still. Uh, we'll see how he goes there. Uh, Sky uh, looks like they've scrapped Egan Bernal from the start list. Um, currently, they have Garrett Thomas, Kwiatkowski as their possible team race leaders. Speaking of race, uh, they do have Gianni Moscon, though, on the start list for Sky. So you never know how he might pull out a result for this one as well. Vincenzo Nibali, Bahrain Merida. Um, you know, he's looking for another Grand Tour result, and Nibali is coming into this time of year with somewhat of a question mark. I mean, he did win the first monument of the year, the Milan San Remo, but since then he's failed to even crack the top 10 at all for any single stage or overall GC. I think he had a top 10 on a mountain jersey in a race. Um, better than that, you know, Milan San Remo, and that's it. Ilno Zakarin of Katusha. He's coming off his impressive third on GC for the Vuelta last year. Um, his 2018 season, though, hasn't reflected the kind that he had at the end. Katusha also brings in Ian Boswell. So they have a double I threat for their team, Ian and Ildar. No? Uh, a lot of jumbo, a lot of NL jumbo. Uh, the team doesn't appear to have, I don't know, any evident overall leader. They are bringing their two Americans, though. They have Nilsson Palace and Sepp Kuss. But Ellen, the team, also brings Flores de Tier, which he does a pretty good job of climbing. And I heard it was rumored that Antoine Tolhook, who got 13th, their highest uh, Tour of California uh, rider, um, was 13th in Tour of California, that he was also coming to this race. So we'll see. That's kind of your mid-level. It would be interesting. Maybe those guys would just be gunning for stage wins. Um, I'd like to see Nelson and obviously Sepkus kind of come into their own. So um, we'll keep an eye on them as well. Dan Martin of the UAE Team Emirates. Uh, Martin is hoping to turn around the team's GC hopefuls for 2018, uh, do a total 180 from where their, their current trajectory is. And he's had his, he's had an unusual 2018. He only cracked the top 10 twice, two races, the fourth in the Volta and ninth in a, in the individual time trial at the Tour of Romandy, which he also got uh, 10th and GC for that race. 
So, I mean, while he's starting to come in a little better, as we saw in Romandy, he's still not the Dan Martin that we've seen in the past. So he's looking to get himself some self-confidence in this race and and maybe show his team he is worthy of their support for the Tour de France because uh, Aru looked really, really bad. And their their whole team just kind of hasn't really come into what you would be expecting. Odd Christian Eiking of Norway. Wanty Group Gobert. Actually, I have no idea how this guy goes, but he gets uh, listed for the best name. Odd Christian I have no idea what his religious affiliation is, but his uh, his parents were obviously against him having much money. Right, so the race starts Sunday, the third of June, going through next Sunday, the tenth of June, and right before we start to get, you know, the first prep here for the Tour de France. Um, so stage uh, the P, the prologue, as I mentioned, is very short. On Sunday, then you start stage one on Monday. Um, it is 179 kilometers going from Valence to Saint Just Saint Rambert. Um, not sure if I pronounced that correctly, but it's got a bunch of little categorized climbs of from twos to threes, and then uh, spits out at the end with a four fours. Uh, so it's probably going to be a breakaway, and you're going to see some guys try to get up the road and get in the jersey before. I don't know about a sprint though. And it didn't look like I, I actually didn't take a look at the sprinters because they're not going to be playing much of an overall, and they only have real two chances here. Stage two then is um, another similar type of stage. It's got threes and category threes and fours mixed in over the last hundred kilometers, uh, total kilometers of 180. Uh, but it is downhill and cruising into the finish for the last 30. It goes from Montbrison to Belleville and Bois-Gelais. Uh, no clue if I got that right. So that should be another interesting, similar stage to the one before, although there's, the climbs come a little closer to the end than, than in stage one. Stage three, then you have the Triple T um, team time trial. Like I said, it was just 35 kilometers pan flat. Uh, so it should be interesting on to see which teams are coming out uh, full force of that. It's just kind of a big um, oval that they go out. I can't tell looking at the profile. It looks like there's some some turns that are some 180s some 90s i mean so it could be some problems with the team time trial if it's not um you know taken properly if they haven't done their their work and then you got stage four through seven like i said all having the climbing you have 181 kilometers 131 110 129 so it's a really interesting little way they do that going from uh 181 kilometers like i said on stage four um and then it just kind of gradually decreases uh, 110 kilometers. So Saturday is going to be really interesting because that's got some HC category climbs. It starts with an HC, another HC, and then a category two, and then finishes on a category one to La Rosaire, but it's only 110 kilometers. So you're looking at just right, what right around 60 some miles, and that could be uh, on from the gun and it should be pretty interesting. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. We will then be doing also a, a breakdown of the Tour de Suisse and from some of those others coming up. Also one that we have to look at, though, is the Hammer Series. I don't know if anybody's been interested in that. Uh, we'll have to do a breakdown of that as well. I'm actually picking on this one Roman Bardet. I think he's got the uh, he's had some early season form, and I think you should be able to see him going well to break out a win. There's always a few riders that maybe we didn't get on the start list that will be interesting to see. Please like our show, share it around when you can. And with that, we'll see you next week.